three, two, one. Hit it. What? Reversal of fortune. That's why I tell my friends everything happens for Seriously, a Seriously, you had one job. I, just, I, I can't with some of these people. I just, Put down your goddamn cell phone. I don't think my dad even knows how to use a computer. Uh, uh, Would you rather? All right, trust me, take no, my advice. No, but seriously, that legit happened. Hey guys, happy Friday. Friday is the new official Nervous Habits podcast episode release date. I have got an exciting episode in store for all of you. I hope you're hungry because my guest, Food Network chef, Chef Plum, and I explore issues including the must-have kitchen utensils for anyone who wants to learn how to cook, the ingredient that a TV chef uses in every one of his dishes, how to order off the menu of a restaurant that you've never been to before, why you shouldn't put too much stock into the cleanliness of the bathrooms at the restaurants you're eating at, and finally, why you should be wary of the fish buffet. All that and so much more on another episode of Nervous Habits. Hey everybody, I hope you're doing well um, as we navigate this summer of quarantine, COVID summer. Uh, I, I wonder if I can get through you know, if anyone can get through a podcast without mentioning uh, COVID or, or, or Corona, that's got to be like the time person of the year, the time disease of the year for 2020. Um, this, I think, is a great episode. I think a lot of my episodes, you know, some episodes you can listen to when you're in the car, when you're going on a walk, maybe you're doing laundry. This episode in particular, I think, is a great episode to, you know, put put in your Apple EarPods or, you know, your, uh, your Bluetooth headphones, um, your Beats. And just listen to it as you uh, as you prepare dinner, because you know this is this is the perfect. Uh, I, I I don't know I, because I like to listen to podcasts while I cook. I maybe you know I don't like silence. Uh, it's it's you know it's nice to have something to listen to in my ear as well. My hands are keeping busy, um, but particularly while you're cooking, there's something soothing about listening to a podcast. And in this case, it will be a podcast from a cooking expert. Um, of course, Chef Plum, who I'll, I'll you know introduce in a moment, and I wanted to have a conversation on cooking right now because I think that a lot of people, much more than usual, people who are in quarantine, who don't have access to restaurants, going out to eat, who maybe don't trust or you know aren't advised to order takeout or delivery, people are experimenting in the kitchen for quite possibly the first time in their lives. And for people who don't know how to cook, I have a lot of friends who have never, you know, uh, picked up a pan in their life who only eat frozen vegetables and they look at me preparing my sauteed kale or my, you know, lemon, uh, broiled lemon broccoli and they're like, how did that happen? Is that, is that magic? Uh, I think that, you know, someone who doesn't have cooking experience is certainly, you know, can benefit from some of the tips, some of the advice and the expertise of Chef Plum, who has been working for 25 years uh, in kitchens, in you know uh, five-star restaurants, in hotel restaurants, in you know mom and pop, uh, you know joints around the country. Chef Plum is a multiple-time winner on the Food Network, making over 10 appearances with wins on Chopped, Open Your Basket. If you guys are are Chopped fans, Guy's Grocery Games with Guy Fieri, and America's Best Cook Regional Championship. Chef Plum is also the host and producer of the acclaimed video series with Edible Magazine on the road, which is available on Amazon Prime, and he's the host of the Top 200 Apple podcast, Plum Loves Food Live. Uh, obviously, we are big fans of, of food and of nutrition on the pod. We've talked about food and nutrition on various episodes. Um, I did an episode on meal prep way back when, but 
Uh, I'm really excited for this conversation with Chef Plum. This will be a special episode, unlike anything we've you know done before, I've done before on Nervous Habits. So let's get to it. My conversation with Chef Plum. Chef Plum, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing great. It's It's rare that we get a culinary expert like yourself on the pod. So right out of the gate, I think listeners are wondering, what is the last meal that you ate? Last meal I ate was, I made burgers last night, as a matter of fact. Burgers and uh, broccoli. Pretty boring, but uh, I have three kids, so we got to keep everybody happy. <laughs> hey, hey, man, it, it's boring, but it sounds it sounds delicious. Um, <laughs> they, were, they were very good. Sometimes just a good re- burger is the best thing you can do. Make sure you get that 80-20 ground beef. That's 80% lean, 20% uh, fat, because fat is where it's at. You want that in there, trust me. Oh, man, you're, ma- you're making me hungry, chef. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm really happy to have you here. I think... With the coronavirus, a lot of us have significant downtime for the first time in a while, and more of us are experimenting with food. Um, and beyond that, people who may have eaten out a couple nights a week before are having to relearn how to cook or learn for the first time. So what sort of impact do you see the pandemic having on the culinary arts or, or in cooking more generally? You know, it's interesting, man. Uh, I won't get into my spiel about the hospitality industry in general, because it's decimated, it's going to, it's going to be destroyed. It's going to take a long time to come back. It's not a good situation. Uh, but as far as just from a culinary standpoint, you know, I think you're seeing a lot more people cooking at home, uh, which makes people realize that maybe, I think it makes people realize one of two things, Ricky, they're either going to realize one food's not that hard. It's not rocket science. I can cook or two, please God, somebody help me. I'm a mess. One of those <laughs> two is what's going to be, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. I, I, I think, I think that's that's well taken. Um, and something, something I've always wondered about chefs is whether they get sick of cooking their own food, or more specifically, whether preparing food for others for a living has taken away the joy of making food for yourself. Do you find that that's been the case for you? Nah, you know, it, it's. <sighs> I love what I do. I love making food. Um, you know, I've been doing it for 25 years. It's led me down some pretty fun paths with some very cool people. Um, but, you know, I end every episode of my show, Plum Love Foods Live, with uh, food is one of the most important things we have in life. Everything important in life revolves around food. Let's make sure we give it the time it deserves, which I try to live by that mantra as much as humanly possible because food is so important, man. If you think about it, what do we do when we go on our first date? We go out to eat. When somebody dies, God forbid, what do we do? We eat. Everything we do in life has to do with food. So you got to respect that, man. And in my life, you know, I have a beautiful wife, three amazing children, a fantastic house. Food has given me all of those things. Mm. Food has put food on my table. Food has always kept me warm and kept me cool and uh, has given my kids Christmas presents. And it's always taken care of me. So you have to respect that even when you don't like it. So let, so what would you say, Chef? I'm sure there's lots of people here who don't have a uh, background or, or haven't you know, been educated in, in cooking. What would you say to the people who are listening who want to get a sense of how to get started or, you know, say they want to, like, learn how to cook a nice meal for their girlfriend or, or their roommate, what have you? How would you recommend that someone goes about learning if they're, you know, a, a beginner? First things first, you got to remember you don't need all that fluff, right? Uh, you don't end up winning James Beard Awards overnight. It takes a lot of time. So, number one, just get a good knife, a good knife, right? Very, very solid, sharp knife that feels good in your hand. Remember, sharp knives are safer than dull knives any day of the week. Uh, a dull knife you have less control over. Um, and the caveat to that is don't ever put your knives in a dishwasher. Just don't do that. That's really mm. bad for them. It dulls <laughs> them up. Um, two, uh, so you have a sharp knife. Uh, for the, the next thing I always tell people, too, is get into learning about food. Find a chef that you like and find them doing stuff online. Um, if we had... 
when I was a kid, you know, first getting into the food business, if we had had YouTube and things like that, man, I would be a uh, certified master chef by now. I'd be uh, the, the, the samurai ninja warrior of culinary cuisine because how much I study the stuff. But we didn't have that back then. So we had books. So find something simple in a book, something that you like, something that has meaning to you. Uh, maybe it's a it's a dish that a chef makes on a YouTube video or a chef or your favorite chef might make. But find a dish that means something to you because then you can make it, right? And three, cookbooks, videos, and recipes and all that, man, listen, it's a guideline. It should never be the gospel, right? You should learn technique from it. You shouldn't say, this is exactly how you're supposed to do it. I need two tablespoons of salt in this. Well, maybe. Taste it and find out, right? right. And the caveat to that one is, listen. Always season your food. I don't care where it comes from. Salt is the most important thing you can put in your food ever in your life. It is the most important thing when it comes to cooking. Always, always season your food. Yeah. That was all in one breath, Ricky. How about that? That was one <laughs> breath. <laughs> that's that's that's, pre that's, that's pretty good, Chef. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a moment to catch your breath. I personally, <laughs> it it it. I, you know, I know you mentioned salt. I personally, I'm a big proponent of adding garlic in everything I make. Uh, what are the ingredients that you tend to use the most, or or the spices you use the most, on pretty much all of the dishes you make? Is there one or two things that you always add? You know, I've never really thought about that. Um. So I cook very, very hyper-local food. So I cook very, very seasonally. It depends on what I have in front of me. I'm not going to try to make a dish with tomatoes in January. Tomatoes aren't in season where I live in January. Why would I use them? Um, you know, and, and I'm big on non-GMO food and things like that. For instance, you want to start using tomatoes in January, you bought from the grocery store, chances are they have Pacific salmon genes in them. This is the crazy part. You know why they have them in there? Because instead of teaching people not to put their tomatoes in the refrigerator, Let's just change the entire thing and add Pacific salmon genes to it so the cell walls don't break because of the cold. Hmm. How crazy is that? That's that, that's wild. Yeah, I'm, I'm someone that throws all my produce into the fridge. I guess I should rethink that. Yeah, stop. Don't do that. Don't do that. They don't need. It doesn't need to be in there. Tomatoes don't need to be in there. Uh, but yeah, as far as what I would use, salt always. Uh, generally, I use garlic, fresh garlic. Don't use powders or any of that crap. Use real garlic. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, I'm a big cilantro fan. I think cilantro tastes great in a lot of stuff. Oh, you know what? Here it is. Lemon. Lemon is mm. your friend. Great food. Great food is basically, you know, to me, food is more science than than artwork. Right. Yeah. Great flavor basically depends on on, on the pH scale. Uh, if something has more alkaline in it, more carbon, add acid. You know, it's pretty simple. I can picture it in my head when I'm tasting food, which way it needs to go, left or right, on the scale. So lemon pretty much everywhere, you know, because you don't always have to taste it either. Like if it's something that needs a little brightness to it, it may taste bright, but it won't taste lemony. It's pretty crazy how lemon juice works. That That's amazing, Chef. And also from a sort of from like a medical point of view, lemons are, are loaded with antioxidants is my understanding. Oh, so yeah. Very healthy for you also. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's better. Listen. We drink lots of uh, lemon juice and water every morning here at my house. It's way better than it was about a year and a half ago. My wife had me juicing celery every morning. I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> it's the worst tasting thing ever. Celery juice first thing in the morning. And listen, Ricky, I have an alcohol problem as it is. I drink every night. Yeah. So <laughs> but waking um, up and having celery juice is terrible. Okay, so if you're taking notes at home, uh, Chef Plum's advice here. So we have add, add salt, add garlic, add lemon, uh, ixnay on the celery juice. Yep. Now, you, you mentioned in terms of utensils, you talked about a sharp knife. Oh, yeah. So when you moved into your home with your wife, what were the first kitchen supplies that you bought besides a sharp knife? Oh, damn. That's a long time ago, brother. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've always had my own knife kit, you know, my own knives. So you have that. Uh, as far as appliances, though, I think the next best thing I probably would have bought would have been uh, yeah, probably a food processor or, as we call in the business, a RoboCoop. A RoboCoop. Yep. 
Yep, you can use that for everything. It's great. You can make pasta in it, uh, chopping things very small to grinding peppercorns. Yep, okay. uh, food processor. That's that's very helpful. So so you're not someone that that likes all those uh, different gadgets. I know there's one that will like uh, chop an uh, an onion for you, no, or no, the lemon no, no. squeeze, or the garlic. Any of that? You do it by hand. The two best tools you have in the kitchen are on the ends of your arms. <laughs> that's the two best tools you got. I promise you, they'll do anything that any of those other things can do. Yeah, they always say that a chef that, that isn't afraid to get their hands dirty isn't doing something right. Yeah, that and never trust a chef that hasn't had stitches. That's a, that's the other thing I say. I have never heard that. Why is that yeah. the case? Because they don't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's uh It's like riding a motorcycle, Ricky. When you first get a motorcycle, anybody who rides motorcycles always tell you, listen, it's not if you'll dump it over, it's when are you gonna dump it over. Mm. Same thing with a knife. It's not if you cut yourself, it's you're going to cut yourself at some point. Yikes. Yikes. Okay. So, so, so definitely be prepared, you know, make sure you have some good health insurance if you're planning on, on <laughs> taking Chef Plum's advice. Not a bad uh, way, but yeah. <laughs> um, let's have a little fun here, Chef. Uh, what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask you a couple rapid fire food questions. What's your favorite food to cook and what's your favorite food to eat? Are they the same food? Ooh, favorite food to cook. My favorite foods depend on what the situation is. And I mean that for real. And I used to be able to answer that so quickly when I was younger, but 25 years into this business, my favorite food to cook is whatever it needs to be to get the job, right? Okay. Um, my favorite food to eat, now that's a different story, but again, it depends on what we're talking about. Like if I'm at home watching football on Sunday, I probably want to make chicken wings, right? Okay. Or, you know, if it's a if it's a cool night, you know, or, or winter night and it's snowing outside and I'm having dinner with the family, I probably would love to make a roast chicken, you know, something simple, uh, very, very home cooked, like simple foods. You know, if I'm going to go out someplace to eat and, you know, not that we can do that. I remember we used to do that. We used to go out to eat. Do you remember that? I don't know. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Distant memory now, but you know, I'm probably going to order something that's, you know, I'm not going to make at my house very often. I might make, you know, order like something with foie gras. I might order something with, you know, uni butter or something like that. Go, go out of the box, you know, which is why you see a lot of chefs actually eat a lot of sushi and things like that. Cause it's very different than what we're used to working with. Yeah, I can actually I can see you on uh, death row, chef, and they ask you, you yeah. know, what do you what do you want for your last meal? And you say, oh, you know, are the heirloom tomatoes in season? I think I might like some of those sprinkled on. <laughs> yeah. Well, what they, what's the weather like tomorrow? Can we decide? <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Next question here. Let's say you had under an hour to prepare the best meal that you could uh, to make dinner for two or three guests. You had a fully stocked fridge and an operating kitchen. What would you make? I mean, you might as well be talking every. 10 or 15 appearances on Food Network I've done there. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you give me an hour. That's a lot of time, brother. Yeah, it's a lot of time. Yeah. I'll, shit, I'll make you whatever you want. Well, I mean, we're going to do, we're probably going to do something with steak. We're probably going to do, here's the thing. I'm not going to do like a tenderloin or something like that. There's something called a spider steak, right? So that's what I'm going to do. If I've, You say I got everything, right? Mm, everything, everything. Okay. So spider steak. It's delicious. It's an unbelievable steak. There's only one on the animal. Um, and, uh, I don't know if I should let you Google that or if I should tell you what it is, but tell me it's, what it is, Jeff. yeah, it's the sphincter muscle and it is delicious and it's unbelievable. And we're going to pan sear it in cast iron. We're going to serve it with a simple brown butter with uh, crispy onions. It is literally one of the best things you'll ever put in your mouth. And yes, friends, that is the asshole of a cow. Okay. Wow. Well, I appreciate you saving me the, uh, the horror of, of, <laughs> of discovering that for myself on Google. The good um, news is I, I got told that after I ate it. Oh, so. God. That's that's awful. Okay, so it's delicious, steak. though, man. It sounds crazy, but it's delicious. 
Oh, man. Are there any, uh, Chef, are there any cooking fads or trends from the last year or two that, that you're a fan of? That I'm a fan of? Let me see. I think, uh, you know, we're getting more and more into being, you know, cooking local food. Um, it's becoming definitely more of a thing. People are, who are living all over the country are finding out what's in season where they live. And it's, it's something I'm really, I, I'm proud of for us as a people. I think it's important to do that. Um, I think we all should be eating like our great-grandparents ate. You know, I think that's how I think we should eat. I think that's how we should be the healthiest when we eat. Um, I also think the biggest trend I like right now is that you're seeing so many people are getting away from processed foods to the point now where massive companies are now taking out uh, anything that's not natural out of their foods. I mean, for God's sakes, McDonald's is taking any processed stuff out of their burgers now. Like, that, what world are we in? That's crazy. That's the truth. That's what's happening. So to me, uh, I'm not sure if you call it a fad or it's just a point that we've been working towards for so many years now. Um, I think that's fantastic, and I love that. And I don't mind spending an extra 25 cents, 30 cents for something because it, at least I know it doesn't have anything bad in it. You know, yeah. It's nothing I can't pronounce. It's amazing. As people have become more social justice-oriented and health-conscious, they want to know where is their food coming from. Absolutely, you Absolutely, know? man. Absolutely. I mean, it definitely – which I think is a great thing. And listen, whether you're in the food business, you're not in the food business, whether you – you know, don't really care what you're eating, where you can go to the Ponderosa down the road and get something off the buffet, or you want to go to Alenia and get one of the best meals you ever had in your life. Either way, you're still going to know that there's nothing bad in that food for the most part, which to me makes me very happy. Now, now don't construe what I'm saying when I say bad. I mean bad like right. chemicals you can't pronounce, preservatives, things like that. Okay, and, and Chef, this question will sort of bleed into the discussion I wanted to have with you about your Food Network challenges, but what was the toughest dish that you've ever prepared? <laughs> on television? Uh yeah, I mean, I would think so. Yeah, Which unless story? unless you unless you know your wife is a harsher crit critic than some of the Food Network judges. She's a pain in the ass. Don't even don't okay. even start. Tell me last night my broccoli was overcooked, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Do you what? know how long I've been making? You know, I've been cooking since you know, know. you were you were in grade school. I'm like, if I say one bad thing or question one thing about your job, you you're ready to stick a fork in my eye. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Um. I was on a show called Cutthroat Kitchen, and I had to make scotch eggs. Uh, a scotch egg is a very, very British pub-style food. It's basically a soft-boiled egg uh, that is wrapped in sausage, breaded, and then deep-fried. Um, they are delicious. Generally served like a mustard. It's, it's great. Um, I was very cocky. I had 20 minutes to make a scotch egg, and I was like, piece of cake, no worries, I got this. Uh, they took away my, my sausage. I had beautiful breakfast sausage. They took that away from me and gave me haggis. Uh, right. which is essentially, if you're not familiar, is a step Cheap up from stomach. dog food. Oh, yeah, yeah of course. It's dog not good. But I said, you know what? I'll use it. I took it. I mixed it up. I seasoned it up as best I could and did everything I could with it. And I felt very confident with everything. I had about eight minutes left or so, and uh, my water was boiling. I was going to drop my egg. I knew my egg would take about seven, six, seven minutes probably to cook to where I want it to be. Uh, so I was finishing, getting all my stuff prepped, and the next thing you know, they pulled me aside. Uh, for I'm familiar with Cutthroat Kitchen, that show they they people can you start with a certain amount of money and you can buy uh, things that you can then give to your opponents to make their cooking more difficult. Mm. Uh, for instance, I took two people's cutting boards and tables away from them. They had to share a kilt that was attached to them to use as a table. It was a really shitty move on my part. But hey, what are you gonna do? Okay. By the way, can I say shitty? I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're good. No, you're good. That sounds that sounds pretty intense. I'm a chef. I can't help it. Well, here's what happened. So uh, they pulled they pulled me aside and made me play golf, a par three on this ridiculous putt putt course with an egg. And if the egg broke, I had to start over. It took five minutes of my time. I couldn't finish. 
I would watch that TV show. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna it's lie. Still around. It's hysterical though, man. I was laughing so hard, and I ended up just giving up and just I started hitting the eggs with my putter to my uh, to the other opponents I had in the kitchen that day. That's amazing. I'm. I think a lot of folks who you know are familiar with your background on Food Network are kind of wondering: Would you consider you know food on TV really cooking? How is it different than you know when the cameras aren't rolling? Yeah, you know, that's what's a, the distinction. That's a, you know, that's a it's fun to talk about that. You know, I tell young people all the time, you know, what, what makes me crazy is that, you know, we have people who call into the, the, the podcast all the time. They would always say to me, you know, I'm going to culinary school because I want to I want to cook on TV. I want to be a TV chef. And I have to explain to them, do you realize that doing that, that's a, that's a byproduct of 25 years in the business, winning awards, working at five star uh, Michelin hotel, you know, a, a Michelin star hotels. And like, it's a lot of stuff that leads up to that. That's not something you do. That's something you earn. Um, with that said, uh, it, it, I guess it depends on who you talk about, like who, who you're watching, who you're into, um, whether it's real or whether it's not. I was on a show called The Taste on ABC years ago, and there wasn't one real thing about that show. Mm. The whole thing was the work. It was all it was terrible. Everything I've done with Food Network has been real, um, with the exception of chops. You know, like you open your basket. Um, it's not just open your basket and go. You open your basket and they film you opening your basket and they cut and they film this dude opening their basket. So you have a few minutes to think about it. You know, other shows like, you know, Cutthroat Kitchen and, and America's Best Cook, you know what you're cooking ahead of time. They tell you three days before you fly out. They say, hey, make sure you know how to make X, Y, and Z just so you know what's coming up at you. You're not surprised by it. Right. Um, other than that, though, it's real. Um, you know, I've done other shows where, you know, they make you – uh, they, they would break something in the kitchen purposefully just to see how you react to it. Um, you know, I've probably done hundreds of television spots, you know, local news channels, national news media, you know, everything from, you know, Good Morning America and things like that to where it just doesn't work. Like things don't work in the kitchen. Um, and you have to be able to call them in the fly, man. You got to be able to just go in there and, you know, have something ready to go or be able to cover for it. You know, I always tell people who are going to go do TV for the first time, um, you know, have a finished dish before you get there, have it all done and understand that you might not finish or something's probably going to break. So have one done to show. Oh, for uh, sure. It's, it's fun to watch people who don't do that. I get a kick out of it. Chef, you're talking about what's real and what's not on TV. I know you were on guys, grocery games, you know, was as a guys, <laughs> guys, Fieri, uh, is his hair real? Guy Fieri is a good brother, man. He's a good friend of mine. Um, he's been on my podcast. Uh, yeah, his hair is real, dude. His hair is real. He gets so much shit, too, man. I'll tell you, honestly, he's one of the nicest human beings on the planet. He does so much good charity work for people. I don't know how anybody can hate the dude. And let me tell you something. He can party. I just don't know how you can hate the guy. I don't know how anybody can hate him. He's the nicest person ever. Do you watch the show Hot Ones on YouTube, Chef? I have seen it, yep. So, the, yeah, there's an episode. If you want to, I, I guess, uh, my uh, understanding of Guy's personality from that show, I mean, he... Uh, if you haven't seen the show, celebrities come on and they answer questions while eating the spicy wings. And got that that episode with uh, Guy Fieri is, is really sensational. Obviously, it's have great. a lot of free time during quarantine. <laughs> great. Hey, my, my favorite one is the one with Stone Cold Steve Austin. That one's my favorite. I have to check that out. I haven't seen that one. Oh, that, dude, I'm an old school pro wrestling fan. I, I went to pro wrestling school when I was younger. Like, I just love what it's called. No selling. He doesn't want anybody to know it's hot. It's just so funny. I'm. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. I actually had a Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, action figure when I was back in the There you go. I think, yeah, 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 I still have it somewhere in my attic. Um, So, Chef, at some point when this pandemic ends and the social distancing restrictions loosen up, we're going to start eating out again. 
And so I want to pick your brain on what it's like, you know, running kitchens of major restaurants and five-star hotel restaurants and local neighborhood restaurants. Uh, what would you say is the most important relationship that a chef can have in a restaurant? You know, it's so funny how much it's changed over the past, ah, God, 15 years. I mean, you know, my group, my generation of culinarians, we got into this business because we needed a job. We needed something that could pay our bills. You know, we, it, that's what it was. Now you have people who train, who go to school for it, you know. Uh, it's kind of like certain athletes and things like that now versus 20 years ago, you know. When I was uh, growing up in the industry, I mean, you'd get done with work. You'd go out. You stay out all night. The sun comes up. It's time to go to bed. Sun's going down. Time to get and go to work, and you do it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's how I grew up in the industry. Now, I mean, you have people who... You know, I, I, who work out and, you know, they eat great food. They don't drink. And, you know, they're having that goddamn celery juice in the morning. And, and, yeah. and, and it, it, it's, it's crazy how much it's changed. So as far as the relationship goes, man, I'll tell you, I think that the most important person in the restaurant, um, there's two people who I think are the most important people in the restaurant. Number one is the servers. Um, and here's why. Uh <sighs> If you go to a restaurant and you have fantastic food, but the service sucks, chances of you going back are like 20%, yep. right? If you go to a restaurant and you walk in the door and they say, hey, Ricky, how are you, man? Oh, we got your favorite table for you here. Can I grab you? What do you, you want that rum and coke you always like or whatever? You got your beer you want? You know, they pour it for you and have it there. They're super nice and they're just friendly. And, you know, but the food comes. But, eh, the food's whatever. It's okay. But, you know, it's, it's, it's the service that brings people back, right? I mean – the servers are your front line to everybody. You know, obviously the backbone, the name of the chef, things like that can can bring people in. Um, but if you go to, I mean, and trust me, I work in the Hamptons, brother, and I work in New York City, and there's some really bad restaurants. They're sort of fantastic food, but the service sucks, and I won't go back. I just won't go back to it. Uh, second most important person in the restaurant's a dishwasher. Uh, if you don't have dishes, you don't have food. I mean, literally, it's you know, when the machine breaks down, we break down. That's exactly <laughs> what it is, man. You're the strong, the weakest link is going to break you. And you know, the dishwasher, while it seems like such a mundane job, is such an important job in the business. Chef, I'm getting PTSD listening to you talk about this. I worked in food. <laughs> I mean, everyone, everyone, li everyone listening has worked in a restaurant at some point. I was in uh, my high school summers and college summers. I was a back waiter and later a front waiter, uh, waiter on a restaurant in Long Island. Um, and I'll be honest, the chef at my restaurant scared the living shit out of me. Yeah, I that never, was how it was. Chef, I never looked him in the eye. Whenever he would say anything oh you know, to, to me, I would always – it's always yes, chef, no, chef. More yeah. often than not, it was yes, chef. And, yeah. um, <laughs> so, I would I would have called you out for not looking him in the eye. I was like, Ricky, why aren't you looking at me, man? <laughs> no, man, the, the chef doesn't know anybody's names. It's, it's that kid, that kid, that guy. And he would also – he would talk – You know, he'd have like a liaison, like the sous chef. The yeah, assistant sous chef, chef would do it. Yeah, well, yeah, well the sous chef would like carry the message from the chef to me because it was like a, a, a chain of command. <laughs> right. Well, you're right. It is very it is very it's called the uh, brigade system in a kitchen. And it, it comes from classic French cuisine. Um, it, it, it's a thing. It's a real life thing. You, you know, you have your executive chef as your head person and you have your chef de cuisine and your executive sous chef. And it just kind of goes on down the channels that way. But these days, man, those lines are so blurred because of. You know, I mean, you can't offend anybody anymore. You got to be careful what you say to people. You know, like I, I grew up working in a classic French restaurant and we would scream at people terribly and say nasty things. It was awful. It was not good. And, you know, having some life events here where I live changed my entire outlook on on my life as well as the way that, you know, I handle things with food. And, um, you know, ever since then, it just I've never I've never been like that. And I think that 
you know, the way the industry is now with with culinarians and chefs and stuff. I mean, it's just it's just not acceptable to be like that anymore. It's just not acceptable. I mean, you just can't. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, the the times have changed now compared to, you know, even like 10 years ago. Um, Yeah. So I mean, I was, that, dude, I was that guy. I was that guy who yelled <laughs> and screamed and would get pissed off about butter. And then, you know, I live in Newtown, Connecticut, and I, I lived through Sandy Hook with children in kindergarten. And, uh, dude, it changed my life. It changed everything. Like, it's, gee, am I really getting mad about butter? What the hell is wrong with me? Yeah, it takes, I mean, obviously, you know, life events like that put things in perspective. And, and it's it's crucial, you know, to, to have that sort of that sort of outlook, Chef. Um, so, Anthony Bourdain wrote a book, which I'm sure you've read, called Kitchen Confidential, where he gave well. famous. I was on. Pieces. I was on the taste with him. Oh, um, oh wow, amazing! And what can you tell us about Anthony Bourdain? Um, you know they say you should never meet people who you think are your heroes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'll say. Okay, uh, that's we we can <laughs> we can leave it at that. But I have very um, strong feelings about that guy, especially towards the latter part of his career. He said some very nasty things about our industry and about people who work in it, and. You know, it, it it was, I just, I don't like that, man. You don't, you don't talk. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I was not a giant fan at the end. How about that? That is okay. I mean, here's your chance to kind of like rebut or, or, you know, respond to some of his famous pieces of culinary advice that I know that a lot of my listeners have heard. You know, he said you should never order fish from a restaurant on Mondays since many <laughs> restaurants work with supplies purchased the previous week. Is that true? I mean, listen, uh, 15, 20 years ago, yeah. Now, no. I mean, people get deliveries. I mean, dude, I I ran a restaurant um, in Florida, and I got stuff every single day. Every day. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. no. Now, fish buffet, don't ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, you heard him. Avoid the fish buffet. Uh, he also cautioned readers who ordered meat well done that that's where the kitchen staffs get rid of the worst of their meat. He says... The, the Philistine who orders his food well done is not likely to notice the difference between food and flotsam. That's correct. That is correct. So, so what do you recommend for meat? Uh, rare. <laughs> rare. I mean, the more you cook it, the less nutritional value it has. And then, you know, you, you're having people who are sourcing fantastic meats for you. When you cook it well done, it's, almost, it's very insulting. Okay. That's... Very insulting. There's some chefs who won't even cook restaurants who won't even do it. <laughs> yeah, they just don't. They just uh, bring it rare. Yeah. Or they tell you they can't do it. Well, so generally they won't even ask. And then I think in general you get it medium rare. It's kind of a, you know, that's what if you don't say anything, that's how it comes out medium rare generally. Mm. Um, but if you say, oh, I need to send it back, you know, I, need, I like I like this more well done. They might cook a little bit more for you, that, but they're not gonna go well done. Okay. And Bourdain said not to judge the cleanliness of a restaurant by their bathroom because it's a sign the restaurant is so focused on the food that the bathrooms are an afterthought. Do you agree with that? Uh, I mean, Bourdain was also very, very focused on the kitchen more than anything else. You know, going back to what I said about servers being the most important people, uh, I slightly disagree with that. If you're coming now, there's some, there's some, there's some hitches in that. If you go in on a busy Saturday night and it's eight, seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, and the restaurant slammed, and you go to the bathroom and there's some, it needs to be tidied up a little bit. Yeah, probably because it's busy as shit and no one's been in there yet to check it out. You know, none of the porters have had a chance to go through things like that, you know, if it's a great restaurant, you know, but you go to uh, a Daniel Balud restaurant, you go to a Gordon Ramsay restaurant, you go to, um, you know, a Thomas Keller restaurant, you can eat off the floors. Of the bathrooms. Absolutely. And they're checked <laughs> relentlessly. A lot of times there's even bathroom attendants who work in the bathroom. 
So if you're listening and you know someone asks you why you're eating off the floor of Gordon Ramsay's restaurant, just say that Chef Plum, <laughs> Chef Plum gave yeah. you the, gave the green light. Yeah, yeah, go for it. It's, he's, it's good. They'll take pictures. It'll be a great Instagram post. Um, so sort of in that vein, have you have you heard of the book? I'm 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 like one of those guys that reads these nutrition books. It's called uh, An Economist Gets Lunch by Tyler Cowen. Uh, I don't think I've read that one. I think I've seen. I can kind of picture the cover. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, new rules on everyday foodies, and he tells people sort of in the same light of the bathroom advice of Bourdain, he says, you shouldn't be discouraged if a restaurant has a less than stellar health rating. And one of the best meals he had, Chef, he says, was from an open air restaurant in Nicaragua that had a poor health rating. Do you agree with that? Ooh, that's tough, man. Um, I, it's tough. I don't know. I don't know the, uh, you know, how good the, um, cleaning people are not the cleaning people excuse me how good their uh, health departments are in nicaragua that would be my big question mark i don't know what the standards are um well i know i would be hesitant you said you worked in new york in new york for example that's where i'm from as well they have the they put the letter in front of the restaurant so in new york would you advise kind of like not eating at a restaurant that has a b or a c rating well here's the thing so i'll tell you a quick story and it's relevant to this um, I never had. I always had A's uh, on my on my kitchen um, ratings from 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 the health department, except for one time I got a B. And let me tell you why I got a B. I got a B because our can opener we had just been cooking, and uh, our prep guy had just opened some cans with this giant can opener that attaches to the table, right? And he cleaned it all up and put everything away, but he didn't uh, wipe down what the can op- the can opener slides into like a little. Um, uh, attachment on the side of the table and inside that slide he didn't wipe that down right mm. and uh, she crushed us on that I think she was having a bad day she was really pissed about it and I'm like wait really and that, that gets nowhere near food nothing near food but you know whatever and then you have to schmooze them over a little bit ne- next time you know um, it just de- I, my point is it just depends on what the B is now you can go online and read all the stuff and find out what they're talking about but anything with a C definitely not uh, bees, you know, it depends on what you're doing, what you're getting, what kind of food it is. You know, if it's street food someplace out in the road in New York City, yeah, you never know. Mm. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, there's enough A's out there. Stick with that. Yeah, I mean, t- t- yeah, to be honest, I'm one of those people that if I see a bee in the window, I won't eat on that block. I'm so paranoid. And, and it could be, like you're saying, it could be something as innocuous as a can opener that's not clean, but it could also be mouse droppings or cockroaches. It just, it, it, I don't want to take my chances. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the other thing, too, is that, you know, I was in, uh, I was in uh, Punta Vallarta um, for, I was headlining this festival last April called Cuisines of the Sun out in Mexico. And I had some of the best tacos I've ever had from a guy on the street who wasn't even wearing gloves when he made them for me. You think that guy's got a freaking great rating? Or it, No, there's no rating. Like, yeah. It was amazing tacos, though, you know? That's very true. That That's very true. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that when the health inspectors come by, you have to schmooze them a little bit. Is it the oh, same yeah. thing when uh, when you have food critics come into your restaurant? What's the protocol there? Uh you know, food critics are supposed to, in certain parts, certain states, they're supposed to tell you when they're there. They've kind of not really paid attention to that anymore. But that that used to be the rule. Um, you know, I, I don't really worry about food critics. I never have. So long as it's all about consistency when you're a chef, and if you're putting out great food every single plate, and you treat every plate like it's your last plate as it goes out, I don't care how busy you are. And not everybody does that, but you know, I 
like to think I do, um, you know, nothing to worry about. You should be fine. Yeah, and I, I bet you're no fan of of Yelp or or reviewers like that. One bad review and 99 good good reviews, and that's all the people see. You're right. You're right about that. And Yelp is tough, man. Yelp is a really really tough thing in our business right now. Um, a good brother of mine. Um, Rev Ciancio, he works for, uh, well, I won't just talk about where he works, but he does a lot of that digital kind of marketing, dealing with that sort of stuff. And, you know, Yelp can be, when used properly, can be very, very great for restaurants, not just for people posting reviews and things like that. It can really help your search ratings online. It has a lot of great properties, but the problem is that no one knows how to do that. Mm. No one's shown people how to do that. And it's one of the things that he's working on now. Um, but, you know, it's tough when you have everybody used to tell people when they had a bad meal and had something like that and had a bad experience. And it happens to everybody. You have a bad experience. What, ha what the key part about that is, is how do you react to that? Right. That's the key part. You know, when I hosted our show restaurant road trip, where we travel all across different States and, you know, going to restaurants and whatnot, um, we actually would check out the Yelp reviews because I wanted you could tell a lot about a restaurant right off the bat. And it wasn't about the reviews themselves. It was, I would actually look for a bad review and you look to see how the chef or the owner reacts to it. Right. Mm. The proper reaction is, I'm so sorry. We give us another chance. Let me see what we can do. We'll make. Let's see if we can fix this for you. I want to show you that's not how we handle business. You know, mm -hmm. let's see if we can fix it for you. Not, hey, you're an idiot. You have no idea what you're talking about. Please don't come back here. You're a Yelp troll. No one cares. You know, you're a jackass. That it's amazing how many people do that. That's the crazy part. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that if you look on the restaurants that have the majority good good reviews, you'll probably also see there's a, a response from the restaurant owner to a bad review that says, why don't you come in and, you know, we'll give you another shot. And ultimately, you know, the restaurant is, is invested in its reputation. Pe most people, yeah. chef, you know, if, if they if they're supposed to meet their friend at a restaurant, they Google it and check out the menu beforehand. Yeah. So yeah. your online presence is really everything in 2020 if you're a restaurant owner. It's a, it's everything. I mean, listen, you look at the world now, 40% of our country doesn't have cable. How many people do you know now say, oh, I don't watch TV? I mean, it's because we all have these, you know, six inch, four inch screens in our five inch screens in our pockets. That's how we do everything on now. And literally with a few taps of a button, I can find out everything about your restaurant faster than I could even looking it up on a computer now. Um, so it, it's, it's important. It's so important, you know, to, to uh, look up, uh, to have a great, online presence on a restaurant. I just can't emphasize it enough. It, it's so, so important. If you have any marketing money to spend, that's where it should go. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and do you have any similar tips? Because we've been talking a lot about eating out. Anything that, that you would advise listeners in terms of maybe ordering from a menu or how to gauge a restaurant experience in general? Yeah. You know, uh, right off the bat, if you're going to a place and you know, you live in a place where I, like I'll go back to my tomato analogy. If they're serving you a tomato, like a mozzarella, tomato salad, heirloom, vine ripened tomatoes uh, in January, they're idiots and don't know what they're talking about and don't care. <laughs> right. It's just that simple. It's that plain and simple. Um, they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, but, but, you know, stick with what you know, go with what you like and, and you know. Uh, don't be afraid to look them up. Um, I think checking out people's Instagrams is a great way. I mean, Instagram is definitely a big place for food. You can check out a lot of people, a lot of restaurants, a lot of private chefs, caterers. All these people have Instagram accounts, and you can see their food, and you can see them in action right there, which I think is a great way to go. What do you think about uh, – and this was also in An Economist Goes to Lunch. They say that if you ask a waiter for recommendation and the waiter says, oh, everything's good. You know, I, I've had everything. Oh. It's all good. That's not a good restaurant. The waiter should have one dish or two dishes that they recommend depending on your taste. Or this. Yeah, a lot of people like to order that. 
I hate when they say that. Hey, what's good today? Oh, well, a lot of people like the, you know, the, the skate wing. Oh, how is it? Oh, I've never had it, but a lot of people order it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, you know, I mean, this is the thing. You should be doing any good restaurant, as you probably know from working in the business, does a family meal before service, right? Yes, and I love the family. Family meal was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, always good. I mean, a lot of chefs and, and, and sous chefs take a lot of pride in family meal out. And family meal is important. You want to make sure people are fed and, you know, not hungry and well taken care of before service. And you can get some really good food in there. And a lot of times when I would do family meal, if I had specials and whatnot, I'd put some of those out with family mm-hmm. meal so everyone could taste it and see. Because, listen, I can't ask you as a server to sell something you've never tasted. Oh, absolutely. It's not absolutely. fair. And it's and it's a shame because like then you have to almost lie as a waiter. You have to be like, oh, it's I had it. It's pretty good. And then they'll be like, oh, what does it taste like? Is it like this? Uh, is it like that? Uh, I can't uh, really. People will see through the bullshit. Um, absolutely. Something I like to do if I'm at a really like like uh, like highly regarded restaurant chef is they say look at the menu and pick the least appealing thing. Whether it's like if you're a meat guy like me, pick like a vegetarian or, or vegan option. And if that dish knocks you off your socks, that's a good restaurant. Yeah, uh, you know, that's tough because sometimes, I mean, you know, uh, I don't care how they're making haggis. Haggis isn't going to be good. Like, I don't care what they're doing to it. You know, I can take a pile of shit. I can decorate it. I can put foam on it. I can put all the sauces on it. I can make it big and beautiful. And hell, I can even make it look pretty if you want to. But no matter what, when you taste it, it's still going to be shit. There's just nothing you can do about it. Uh, I, I'd say you go with what you like. You know, if it's something that you know that you like to have, a New York strip, medium rare, then that's what you do because you know in your brain what you like or what you think that tastes, how that tastes good. Uh, so, you know, if you're going into a restaurant that, you know, serves something that you've never had before and you order it, how do you know? You don't know. You know, go with what you know. Got you. Got you. Before, uh, before we wrap up, usually at the end of the episodes, I like to, you know, reiterate the most important points we touched upon to really hammer home what people should take away from our conversation. So if there's one single thing that you want folks listening to take away from this episode, Chef, what would that be? Stop ordering steaks. Well done. Stop. English, motherfucker. Do you speak it? Thank you. Love it. That's beautiful. <laughs> I got my soundboard hooked up. Sorry. Are you going to, Chef, I hope you're not going to judge me too much, but I actually, when I was a kid, I would order my burgers and steaks well done, and I would actually tell them to, to burn it. Um, before, this is before I heard from very, you know, uh, well-educated folks like yourself that, that talk to me about how insulting that is. I don't do that anymore, but I used to. Well, I mean, you, you've gotten older now. I would hope that you would know better. And listen, I can't fault you when you were a kid for doing it. You could fault my dad. My dad still does it. Oh, God. Why? Why? No. No. Understand that people, like, the second a Wilden steak comes in, they're going, ugh. That's what everybody does in the kitchen. Ugh. Ugh. Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> Well, uh, well, listen, this has been a really insightful conversation. I'm sure my listeners want to know where they can go. I feel like all I've done, Ricky, is yell at people the whole time. (laughs) No, no. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been entertaining and and enriching. And I think people want to know where they can connect with you and where they can learn more about your work, chef. Yeah. 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 Um, obviously you can check it out on Instagram at chef underscore plum on Instagram. Um, probably your best spot right there, man. We have a lot of things. I would like to say all the fun things I have going on, but ever since uh, the pandemic, everything's on hold. So who knows? Okay. Well, chef, thank you so much again for, for joining me. If you, if you don't already know, uh, chef plum has a top 200 Apple podcast, plum love food, which is live 
every Thursday. Uh, it's 10 p.m., right, Chef? Yeah, it's 10 p.m. on Spreaker Radio. We've been doing a bunch of pop-up quarantine shows here as well. We've had some great guests on, guests like Guy Fieri, Chad Minton. Uh, really, really fun guests on the program just talking about food. It's basically uh, a bunch of chefs, you know, sitting around making dick jokes, talking about food and, and life. It's I don't know why people listen to it, but they do. <laughs> so, so you <laughs> so you've gotten a, a good taste of, of, uh, of what's, you know, of what Chef Lum offers on his podcast. So definitely, if, if you're interested in learning more about food, cooking, the culinary arts, definitely check that out. Um, thank you again for joining me, Chef Plum. This has been a lot of fun. You're the, you're the man, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. OK, thank you. So that was my conversation with Chef Plum. Um, quite frankly, one of the more fun, enjoyable interviews I've ever done on the pod. Uh, really, I, I honestly, I learned a lot about you know, I learned not to put uh, not to put knives in the dishwasher. I'll be honest, I'm guilty of doing that before. Adding salt, you know, seasoning, spices to uh, to foods and to vegetables, particularly with with the lemon, the 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 tidbit about the pH balance of foods and the importance of of the acidity of a lemon. Uh, And as Chef Plum said, you know, making sure that whatever fruits or vegetables, produce you get from restaurant is in season um, and not putting those tomatoes in the fridge. And as I said, I've I've reformed myself when it comes to no longer ordering meat well done. So hopefully he doesn't begarge me too far onto that. Really great conversation. um, And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Next week, (laughs) next week, next week, next week. Okay, next week, I am going to be having on the podcast an extremely special guest. Someone I have admired for a long time. Someone who, when I created the podcast, was sort of on my list of dream guests. Um, People that I would love to have a conversation with. And by some miracle, he agreed to come on. You have seen him perform with Kendrick Lamar with Joey Badass and on Ellen DeGeneres. Ladies and gentlemen, I will be speaking with artist and freestyle rapper Harry Mack next week on Nervous Habits. You will hear all about how a world-talented freestyle rap artist stays motivated while honing his craft. All about the flow state, why during the extreme intensity of flow, your body might literally feel like it's disappearing from consciousness. The 1% rule and how to get 1% better each day for a year. And a special surprise, Harry Mack will be rapping about life in the 1990s. You do not want to miss this episode, friends. That's coming up next week on Nervous Habits. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of Nervous Habits Podcast. Uh, if you have not done so already, follow us on Instagram at Nervous Habits Podcast, on Twitter at Nervous Habits underscore. Also, write into the podcast at Nervous Habits Podcast at gmail.com, Nervous Habits Podcast at gmail.com. What is the dish that you enjoy most cooking or the dish that you want to learn to cook uh, the most? Or better yet, if you were on death row, what would you ask to be served? All, all great questions to consider. Um, I'll also ask if you haven't rated or reviewed the pod on Apple Podcasts, would really appreciate if you do so. Just leave, you know, leave me some feedback um, on there. And if you're cooking tonight, make sure you watch where you're slicing so you don't have to worry about those stitches. Take care and stay nervous.